Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network on waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis, reporting to listeners each and every week from the Florida Keys. I'll be doing a seminar at the Island Boat Show on Alamorada this coming Saturday at 1 p.m. It's all about kayak fishing in the Keys. Come out, go to a great boat show. You can order my books at catchoutdoors.com or on Amazon Kindle. Books from my website are signed while they last. Hello, folks. This week's episode is number 69, Kai Oasa, a.k.a. Key West. <laughs> there are only two places in my visited world that completely hold my attention and uh, make me feel like, you know, totally relaxed, and that would be Key West and the Florida Keys. And the other one is the Scottish Highlands. I know, they, they, they couldn't be any more different. One's at sea level and... The other one's up in the mountains, but I believe it has to do with my DNA, I guess. I guess. I'm not really sure. <clears throat> Both the sea and mountains play a pretty big part in my ancestry, or it could just be a bit of rum and Highland malt whiskey. I will admit to partaking in both. Uh, this podcast is all about Key West, though, and my take on what I've been a part of since the late 1980s. Um, yes, I'm going to cover Duval Street and the crawl, but I'll also put a lot of emphasis on the many things that make Key West my home away from home. That's funny to say that now, since my home is right up the road here in Key Largo. I couldn't have two better homes, though, in my opinion. Uh, Key West, or Kaiaiso. Translated, it's Bone Island, by the way. Uh, that's what it was called by the Spanish settlers. Um, it's believed they referred to the bones of the original inhabitants, the Calusa Indians, um, they were found all over the island by the Spaniards, and thus the name Bone Island stuck, or Cayoesa. A bit of history, the island was discovered by Ponce de Leon and claimed by Spain in 1513. That's a long daggone time ago. In 1815, Don Juan de Estrada uh, granted the island to uh, Juan, i got to get this right, Juan Pablo Salos, Salas, for meritorious service to the crown, John W. Simonton, that name will sound familiar if you've been to Key West, from Alabama, bought the island from Solace for 2000 bucks in 1821. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soon after, um, also in 1821, the U.S. Navy took possession and claimed Key West for the United States as part of the ceded territory that they had gotten from Spain. And Simonton was part of that. It wasn't like they took the land away from him. He actually recommended that the Navy take position, possession of the island. <clears throat> In 1823, Key West was claimed as a port of entry to the U.S., and a customs house was built and opened. It turned out the monies taken in were quite lucrative, uh, so a new larger customs house was approved by the U.S. Treasury in um, 1885. And despite all kinds of issues, uh, such as a lack of bathrooms, too many fireplaces. I love that. It's Key West, people. What do you, what? Fireplaces? And a drunken deal between a, a contractor and a bar owner. <laughs> the building was finally completed in 1891. The building had a tumultuous early history, though. It was eventually abandoned by the Navy in... 1973, I'm looking at my notes here, but luckily was also put on the National Register of Historic Places, which is, a, that's, it helps protect um, 
valuable properties from being told, torn down. You know, around this country, they'll rip a house, especially in Florida, they'll rip a house down in a heartbeat to build something there. So that prevents that, kind of locks it, locks it in. If you want it bad enough, you'll fix it up. Fix it up. It was fenced off. And it became occupied by vagrants and feral cats until 1991. Uh, and it was sold, then it was sold to the Florida Land Acquisition Advisory Council and the Key West Art and Historical Society. And the society took it over, or I didn't take it over, they undertook it for restoration. The building was quite dilapidated. In 1993, that's when I remember it, the renovations began on the building. Um, restoration followed historical preservation guidelines because they had to, and they used original construction materials, which was brick. They had to fly in a whole mess of bricks, an amazing amount of bricks. <laughs> and most most buildings down here do not use brick at all, so that's kind of a serious undertaking. Uh, it required modernization, too, which I thought was funny. It, to accommodate a public museum and offices, they had to add stuff to it that was approved by the historical societies and whatnot. But just imagine... They had to put air conditioning in. It didn't have it. Uh, new stairwells and, and an elevator. You know, you got to, uh, for the handicapped, you got to have an elevator for multiple floor use. Uh, the restorations were completed in 1999. Um, the Key West Art and Historical Society reopened the Custom House as the Key West Museum of Art and History. Be sure to visit while you're there. It's pretty impressive. I love the fact they had to add air conditioning and remove fireplaces. <laughs> Duh. Uh, um, you can't miss the building. It's it's almost like a, it's a brick red, a bright brick red. And it's right down by the famous Mallory Square where the sunset celebrations are held every evening in Key West. It's on the western side of, of Key West. Ah, Mallory Square. That brings back some fond memories. In early days, like the 70s and 80s, the square was filled with um, hippies, expatriates, pirates, musicians. And then later it grew into like a, a circus performance. <laughs> and local artists, they were selling their wares there too. So it really, it, when, I, when I started going there, I was late 80s, early 90s. And then th- from that on, it was, that's, that's about when all the... Um, unicycle riders and plate spinners and jugglers and folks like that showed up. However, there was this one man, it was really cool. Um, he would balance a washing machine on his head. He'd start out with like a bicycle and then he'd, I mean, whatever he had available, barrel. But eventually he would look over at this washing machine and everybody was like, you can't be serious. And he'd put it on his head. He'd balance it on his head. Um, <laughs> if you've seen that, you're nodding now going, yeah, that guy, I saw that. There was also the famous cat man, cat man. Um, he had a troop of cats that did tricks, including like jumping through rings of fire and stuff like that. I don't think he's there anymore. I heard that he's not no longer there. Not sure why. I did some searching on the web and I couldn't find much out about his whereabouts. But when it comes to QS, that's not surprising. Um, but that's how it was at Mallory Square, where, where years ago, Tennessee Williams would give dissertations at sunset, if you can imagine that. And you never knew what famous person you would run into. I'd run into Jimmy Buffett. I ran into Jerry Garcia one time. Um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. They weren't even there performing. They just went to Key West. So it was really cool. You just never knew. People go, oh, that's so and so and some point over there. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, so again, you just never, you just never knew. The star of the show, however, has always been what? 
the sunset. Just before it drops into the sea, the crowd gets really quiet, which is kind of neat. It re- respectful, just downright respectful, almost in some sort of trance or perhaps prayer, I don't know, thankful for another day that you've had in the Florida Keys. And then the cheers break out. They just erupt as it disappears from view with or without the legendary green flash. And then it's off to local bars for music and drink. And I love Key West. I I really do. I believe there are many sites in Key West that are missed, though, by most visitors. I believe that's because the notoriety of the many drinking establishments is what sticks in the mind, and it's also front and center on most travel-related blogs, podcasts, websites. I've said it before, drinking is a sport in Key West. I stole that, kind of. I already knew it, but it, there, there's a line in a song by a local artist there where he says that, and I thought that's that's perfect. Um, but, you know, people come to Key West just to kind of party and hang out. I mean, they hear about it from a party sense, and that's why they show up there. And and so what I thought I'd do with this podcast is I'm kind of following up with riding down the Florida Keys, which was just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago, uh, driving down the Florida Keys, the overseas highway. Well, you arrive in Key West. I've done a Key West segment before, but it was kind of short. And this one, I just wanted to expand on some of the more interesting points and things there. But it always revolves around the drinking side because that's, you know, I get I, on about the third or fourth visit, it becomes apparent to most people that you have no idea what's happening anywhere else outside of Duval Street and Mallory Square. You just don't. You, you're clueless to the rest of the island. You drove onto it. You blasted through it. All you wanted to do is get to the other side of the island, which is only four miles, and get your hotel room and start the drinking party. I mean, that that's... That's what it was known, but still known for that. Let's face it. It is still a party town. We can't get around that. It's got 50-something bars. <laughs> Good grief. So anyway, you know, you especially if you drop in for just a day or two, you don't have any idea, and you're, and you're close to the action. Which reminds me, uh, if you come by cruise ship that departed from Tampa or Miami on the way to Mexico, it's, it's a stop usually on those trips. That quick stop in Key West does not mean you visited Key West. Okay? Just ask any local. (laughs) They're not happy about cruise ships. (laughs) Okay, don't get me wrong. They love it when you drop in and spend money, but they are not sad to see you go. You know, just just saying. So if you say, oh, I've been to Key West. If you did it on a cruise ship, you have not really been there. You've got to fly in, drive in, bicycle in. I don't care how you get there, but you got to spend some time looking around because it's a much more incredible place than a cruise ship stop. To really see and experience Key West, uh, you need to do it in at least four or five nights, okay? I'm just trying to give you two nights, you're really pushing it. Three maybe, but four to five is ideal. That's when you're really going to get a feel. And that's when you're not going to want to go home. When you, when you get to four and five, you're like, okay, hang it up. I, I have met a lot of people, and seriously, a lot of people, and I've met a lot of singers down there. They showed up to do a gig. They flew in. They they did their they did their week you know of playing music at whatever bar they were scheduled to go to and they bring in a lot of really cool people they come out of like Nashville, um, all well actually Nashville Tennessee and 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 of course other areas that are known for music, St Louis Memphis place like that these players all come down and play. You talk to them and you're like, so how long you been here? 
well, I came down in blah, blah, and I took my return airplane ticket and stuck it in a drawer, and I haven't looked at it since. And I think it's been probably eight or nine years. might have been longer. That happens. People get down there, and after a, a few days of it, they're like, you know, I, don't, I just don't want to be anywhere else. So that's that allure, I guess. Okay, so if you decided to visit, and you're going to put in four or five days, so we'll st- I'll start with some basics. Yeah, I'll probably start with, I'm going to start with quite a few little things you need to know. Number one, cars are a pain in the butt in Key West. There is very little parking, so you either need to find a place to stay with private parking or use one of the lots available for day-long parking. Better yet, rent a moped, bicycle, taxi. Taxis are cheap. The island's only two by four. For crying out loud, how long can you be in a taxi when you're traveling from one spot to the other? <laughs> it's I'm serious. The moped pricing is very fair. Most of them are around. They can they'll do two day spots sometimes for forty something dollars. A single day for thirty bucks to ride a moped around. Um, bicycles are great. Most of the resorts have bicycles, so they'll actually they'll have them at the resort that you stay at or the hotel or or even the bed and breakfast. They'll have them too. Um, you can pick up a bike and just ride anywhere on the island. And something about bikes and mopeds that is a huge advantage over the car is you can park it almost anywhere. Okay, you just basically you chain it to something. You chain it to a you chain it to a pole, chain it to a tree, whatever you can, in the Duval area or the bar area or wherever it is you're partying and playing, and it'll be there when you get done. You come back and walk it back to your room. <laughs> I'm serious. If drinking and driving applies to bikes and mopeds in Key West, so keep that in mind. Um, and of course, there's the on foot option. I mean, there's no reason really. You know, if you're if you're a well-being uh, and you're you know young to middle-aged, there's no reason you can't walk. It's two by four miles. I mean, there's almost once you leave your place, you walk to Duval. Even if you're staying Mid Island or or down in the south end of the island, you just come up, walk into the into the crazy area, enjoy yourself, and then walk home. Um, We've done it, Janelle and I have done it many times. That's one easy way just to get around as long as you've got a hotel room within a mile or two of the uh, location you want to be at. Also, if you're planning an extended stay, bring your bikes. If you've got bicycles, bring them. That's what Janelle and I do. We bring our own bikes with us and uh, park the truck or Jeep in this case, put it away, get the bikes, and use the bikes to get around. And it's so it's just so much easier. So think along those lines. Parking is really, really difficult in Key West. Places to stay. I'm not going to kid you. Key West lodging is expensive, especially at the resorts near the action on the west end of the island. Hotels and motels are generally better priced on the east end by a lot. If you plan on walking, it might be better to do the west side. um, But if you're on a budget, you certainly want to consider the east side of the island. Um, the east side of the island is more like the standard hotels, the, the, the small Marriott's and the Holiday Inns and things like that. Um, the bigger, the other end of the, the west end of the island, especially the northwest end of the island, are, are big resorts, beautiful resorts, and they ain't cheap, but they are really, really nice. Uh, I much prefer the bed and breakfast types, um, especially the ones found along Simonton Street, and which is only one street off Duval and a few other locations, but in the in in the world of bed and breakfast, there are a lot of them in Key West. They're very nice. They're very well kept. Um, you know, you, you'll share 
central core areas with other people, but you have a private room, private bath. They serve breakfast in the morning. Heck, one of them, uh, the Heron House, which is one of my favorites, does a uh, cheese and wine thing in the evening before you go out to a party into the world of Key West. So they actually do like an evening cocktail party so you can meet all the other people that, that are staying at the Heron House. Um, Heron House is on Simonton, just for your reference. Okay, here's a few things that just about everybody tries early on their first visit to Key West. So in no special order, but these are things that, you know, once you get yourself situated, you decide whether you're going to bicycle or not, you found a place to stay. The conch train. <laughs> Named after the moniker given to folks born on the island. Uh, it's kind of like being a Florida cracker, but with m- more respect. To be a conch is an honor. Of course, being a cracker is an honor, too, you know, but... Being a conch is a is a serious honor, and uh, they'll let you know it too. So that's what the conch train's named after. And by the way, it's it's conch like the shell, C O N C H. I love it when the news people call it conchy. I'm like, come on, people, <laughs> you're making news in Florida. You could at least get the word right. Um, here's a history lesson, okay, about conchs and Key West. Um, in 1890, and you know how much I love history, so I will I will put this on you. <laughs> In 1982, the United States Border Patrol blockaded the Florida Keys. It's true. They set up a roadblock up near the Last Chance Saloon in Florida City. When you're coming south out of Homestead, this little bitty thing you run into, Florida City, is like, that's where all the little gas stations and and liquor stores and bait shops are. And there's one there called the Last Chance Saloon, which it is on the right-hand side of the road. They created a blockade there that made a 17-mile traffic jam on US-1. This is in 19, yeah, 1982. The reason they were in search of illegal drugs and aliens, um, especially drugs. Uh, I'm going to read this from the Comfort Public website because this is too funny and there were way too many things for me to make notes on. So I'm just going to read it and give credit to the Conquer Public website for this. The media started reporting on the unprecedented action of the Border Patrol in setting up a border roadblock within the United States itself. After all, most everyone believed that the Florida Keys were indeed part of the United States. As the stories of the visitor jam, traffic jam, poured out across the nation and the world, visitors started canceling their reservations to come to the Keys. Community leaders started to gather around Mayor Dennis Wardlow to decide what to do. The very lifeblood of a budding tourism industry was threatened and successiveness talk was bubbling up in each discussion. At the urging of David Paul Horan, Horan might be pronounced, the legal route was chosen as the first alternative and an injunction was filed against the government's action in federal court in Miami. The court essentially refused to enjoin the U.S. federal government's border patrol from treating the Keys like a foreign country. When the Key West delegation left the courthouse, they were met by a gaggle of world press asking, world press asking, what are you going to do, Mr. Mayor? And Mayor Wardlow replied, I'm going to go home and secede. And thus the Conch Republic was born. On April 23rd, the Conch Republic flag was raised over the city hall and the schooner Western, the schooner Western Union, under command of Captain John Krause, went forth into the harbor and attacked the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Diligent. <laughs> Diligence. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because it's too funny. With water balloons, yes, conch fritters, and stale Cuban bread. <laughs> The diligence fought back with fire hoses and thus commenced the great battle of the Conch Republic. The now Prime Minister Wardlow surrendered and demanded foreign aid from the United States, which they're still waiting for. 
the roadblock was quietly removed, and the glorious Conch Republic was born. A footnote to history. The secession and subsequent creation of the Conch Republic should not be viewed as a revolution against the United States of America. Rather, it was quite the opposite. It was a protest against the folly of zealotry, resulting in the people of the Florida Keys being literally alienated as Americans. The United States Coast Guard, the object of the first and only act of military aggression by the Conch Republic government, was never considered an enemy. The U.S. Coast Guard diligence was merely a target of opportunity. (laughs) Let no one ever come under the impression that the U.S. Coast Guard has ever been considered anything other than a good friend of the Florida Keys. I, I just absolutely love that. Great piece of history. Another foot, uh, footnote by your, yours truly, your podcaster, who you can, you can get a Conquer Public uh, passport now. Uh, just go to the same uh, website, the Cub- conquerpublic.com just go to the website and you can order one um i mean they're they're very real looking as a matter of fact you can mess with people by handing it to them when you travel um and there's soon going to be a diplomatic one i think it's quite expensive but it includes all kinds of coupons and stuff but anyway um now back to the conch train how'd you like that for a segue <laughs> Uh, it's a ton of fun. The train is a tractor, basically. The train engine is a tractor um, that pulls cars, that, that you know, and it runs by most of the sites that ought to be seen on foot. Uh, so it kind of gives you a quick ride through all of Key West to get a good look at what's there. And then you can kind of decide, okay, I saw this, this, and this, and I really want to go back and do that. So I highly recommend it. The Conk train is a blast. Um, the drivers are well-versed in history. They're well-versed in the lore of the city. Uh, they're very witty comedians. Um, and, um, to the young men that visit Key West, it's a great place to pick up tourist girls from up North. You heard it here first. T-shirt shops. This is next on the list. Talk about a moneymaker. The customs house is nothing on the money's taken in at T-shirt sales and alcohol doing Key West. Um, Yes, you can even buy a T-shirt with all the bars along Duval represented on it and have each one checked off as you go. (sighs) Hmm. Please note there are 43 bars at last count on Duval. Okay, that's not counting the ones on the side streets. There are a lot more than forty-three, but that those you can check those off on the on the shirts. This this may take more than one or two visits, so maybe that'll get you up to your four or five if you buy the t-shirt and you want to work on getting things checked off. Next on the list is Duval Street. We've we've done the conch train. We've talked about t-shirts. The the um, Duval, it's loaded with bars. It's also some great restaurants along its sidewalks, and you really have to make sure to eat and drink plenty of water if you want to survive Duval. The t-shirt shops are there, as well as many, many other gift shops, jewelry shops, just about anything you can think of is on Duval. It's really pretty cool. It's the home of Margaritaville, not the original home of Margaritaville. The original home of Margaritaville was up in the north end of the island, but it's there now. Uh, has live music there. It's also one of the bars. You know, we could go on and on about this, but um, Duval is certainly a sight to see. My favorite watering holes on Duval or near it? I'm, I'm going to say on near it because a couple of them aren't right on Duval. The Green Parrot, that one's not on Duval. It's just a few blocks away. Talk about history. This was the original um, place for like, it's one of the oldest bars in Key West. 
it was one of the first places for meetings, um, talking about, you know, this is where the people, this is where the people that were in charge of Key West, so to speak, met to discuss issues in Key West. Um, right now it has clearly the best pour. In other words, you want to drink, it's going to be a really good drink and it has the fantastic live music, especially in the evenings. They bring in bands from all over the country. That's some of those guys I just told you about a little bit ago. They probably wind up staying in Key West cause they like it so much, but the green parrot's my favorite. Captain Tony's saloon. Talk about history again. This was the original sloppy Joe's where Hemingway hung out while living in Key West it's a must for at least a drink or two. It has a side stool off the bar that the performers sit on, so it's usually a single member. Rarely, well, they'll have a band in there sometimes in the back of the bar. But I really enjoy the what I call the minstrels, the single guy that sits up front and just plays the guitar and sings songs. It takes talent to do that. It also takes guts. The Schooner's Wharf. It's you got a view of the port, good drinks local artists that do covers and original songs it's it's just a great play i love i love it it's mostly outside there's very little indoor seating it's mostly dockside and, and sitting outside um it's also almost next door to jimmy buffett's recording studio shrimp boat sound which for the longest time nobody knew where it was or what it was i just knew records were coming out of there with shrimp boat sound on them um it's it's right down the dock it's a plain white building with stickers all over it. It's hard to miss now. And if you just ask somebody, where's Buffett's um, recording studio? They'll point it out. You're hanging out there in Key West uh, at certain times of the year, uh, mostly wintertime, you may run into him and his gang. Uh, when they're not touring, that's usually where they come to record. And a lot of other artists show up there too. Uh, the Bull and the Whistle. This one is on Duval. Loud music, dance all night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't put it any other way. They have a really large stage so they can accommodate full-blown bands in there. And the music is usually very awesome, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it also has an enormous bar. I think the bar, I read it seats 30, to give you an idea. So it's unusually large for, for Key West. Hog's Breath, right down the road, uh, all the way down almost to the top of Duval. Uh, great drinks, music, you never know who might show up and play. Buffett and Chesney have both been known to just appear there and start until the crowd gets too rowdy and then they disappear. But uh, it's it's great. Uh, good food in there too, by the way. They do serve some great food, so I won't just classify that as, as a bar. So there you go. Those are my favorites. There are at least 35 to 40 more nearby, so you can, you can do your own research. and, and <laughs> Yeah, good luck. Anyway, food. Let me put it this way. Just about any eatery in Key West is worth a visit. Um, and there are all kinds of foods represented. So it, it's, it's very diverse. You can find just about anything you want to eat there, which I, I've always found quite amazing. But that's just because of the people that come there. Every walk of light, every country in the world, somebody shows up there and eventually somebody says, you know, it'd be a good restaurant to have here. And there you go. Um, you don't want to spend a fortune, be sure to eat around the harbor near the Schooner's Wharf. That's on the north end, you know, not really west, but just the north side of the island. You'll see where Schooner's Wharf is. To the left of that is a harbor, and there's a lot of great restaurants in there that don't cost a fortune. And then to the east of that are also a couple. There's the uh, Conquer Public Seafood Company, Wahlburgers, you know what that is probably, A&B Lobster House, Alonzo's Oyster Bar, Boathouse Bar and Grill, uh, the Half Shell Raw Bar, those, just to name a few. But those are all in that general area where you can sit down and have a really decent meal and not pay an absolute fortune for it. 
Don't mind the cost. The best, in my opinion, is Louie's Backyard. There are lots of other very nice restaurants, and I'm not saying you should not go there. You know, don't don't miss those. That's okay. But my favorite, and it's a long-standing favorite, has been Louie's Backyard on the ocean side. It's really funny. That place is just hung in there. You would think that over the years it just, you know, change of hands. What it, it hasn't, and that's what makes it so great. And there's a, it, it's fabulous. I mean, it is fabulous. And then there's a bar attached to it that hangs out. It's like a dock on the ocean side called the After Deck, and that's a great place to warm up great space to sit out there and have a drink before dinner so it's got it's got everything i look for breakfast oh breakfast well there's only one <laughs> no there's lots of them there's only one that i go to and that's the blue heaven um sit under the trees in the garden have a mimosa or bloody mary and their eggs benedict is to die for it's seasonal um, when the lobster is in, Eggs Benedict has lobster in it and lots of it. And when the lobster aren't in, they make it with filet mignon. Um, it's really killer. You put that with a mimosa in the morning, man, you're going to be right for the rest. You're gonna, you're gonna, that'll put you up till like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you eat it you know, at a normal breakfast time around 9 or 10 in the morning. So, so that's a great place. The Blue Heaven's located over in what they call the Bahama Town. So you go all the way down, not all the way, but good ways down Duval Street and then start working your way west and that's where that's where the blue heaven is now for some special tidbits about Key West and things to do in Key West um I made a little list here so I'm going to kind of go through them and if anything else pops into my head I'm going to add it because that makes it more fun <laughs> number one the secret garden um I I really love that place um and I need to go back it's been a while um, it was originally a sanctuary for rescued parrots, which right there, that's that's kind of the quirky, eclectic part of, of Key West. You know, there's places that they rescue dolphins and whales and animals of all kinds, but this is the one place where they rescue parrots, and I just think that's so cool. Um, and it is truly a garden to see. Um, I'm a garden person. I love outdoor gardens. I love uh, hanging baskets and orchids and all the fun things, bromeliads and all the things that go with an outside tropical garden. And it's got it. It's hard to find. Um, it's now, of course, Googled. And when I first talked about this 20-something years ago, I would tell people and then let them figure it out. <laughs> and then they'd have to visit at least three restaurants and three bars to get enough information for somebody to let loose and tell them you know, what street they had to go down to find the thing. And even then, you couldn't find it because the entrance is truly secret. Um, but anyway, so there you go. It's, I mean, you can Google it, but it's a, it's a really wonderful place. And, and, um, I'd highly recommend it as a stop for a long stop, you know? Um, if you're there in the summer and it's a hot day, oh my gosh, the garden's beautiful because it's completely covered, you know, in trees and stuff. So, um, Key West Shipwreck Museum. Um, that's that's pretty neat. It's been a while since I've been there, but I'd I'd recommend it. Um, it was closed for a little while. I think they had to do repairs during the hurricane, but I understand it's back open again. One of its neatest visit, parts of it of visiting there is it's got a tower uh, that you can climb and take pictures from, and it's certainly worth it. I'd say the tower is probably three stories in the air at least. Um, so it kind of gives you a panoramic view of, um, of Key West, especially down at the port side of Key West, which is interesting to see from the air. The history of the, uh, that's in the museum is also quite interesting. The, the Shipwreck Museum, the reason they call it that is not for, I mean, it obviously covers uh, famous shipwrecks that are found around that area, but um, Key Westers made their money um, in the early, early days, in the 1800s, by 
uh, putting out or dismantling lights, uh, like the lighthouse that would direct you where Key West was or direct you around the reefs to purposely wreck a ship and then run out and rescue everybody. Well, it was a huge setup. You know, they had, had to rescue rowboats. They'd rescue you. And then, of course, what else would they do? They'd rescue your cargo, <laughs> so to speak. And in, in Key West, is, in Key West architecture, a lot of the houses you see in Key West, they are built from things that were literally taken, stolen, if you will, off of these wrecked ships. And so some of that history is at the Records Museum. They used, by the way, it used to be called the Records Museum, I thought, but now it's the Shipwreck Museum. So, um, but it's definitely worth a visit. And I'm all about the sea and things like that. So if, if, you're, if you're a boater type person, you enjoy being on the water, you, you definitely need to make a stop there. The Truman Little White House. Um, the Truman area, um, part of the old Navy base, or the Navy base, is really interesting. And the, the, it used to just be a great big like manor house on the island. I think they made it uh, like a mini hotel motel for a while. I have to go back and check myself on that, but I'm think I remember reading that somewhere. Uh, but Truman adopted it uh, during his presidency from 1946 to 1952, and um, uh, yeah, that's right, 46 to 52. He he spent 175 days there during his presidency. That's how much he liked Key West. I'd have voted for him for that reason alone. <laughs> he had it figured out, didn't he? Um, yeah, he'd get down there just to get out of the weather. And he's not alone. I mean, that's what a lot of people would do. I would leave the White House in Washington in a heartbeat to go down to Key West and hang out for a month or two. Um, so the, the tours are beautiful. The grounds are beautiful. There's a lot of other stuff on the grounds that you can, there's gardens and things that you can walk around and look at. It's really an incredible place and, and really, really fun to visit. The Key West Butterfly and Nature Conservancy. I have talked about this before. I think I put it on one of my earliest podcasts when, for things to do in Key West, and I'll just do it again. Um, it's obvious it's a butterfly garden. Duh. But that, you know, that, that should not be missed. And the gardens are gorgeous. The butterfly garden itself is pretty amazing. Uh, but have you ever been kissed by a pink flamingo named Scarlet Arette? Well, it can happen there. They have these two flamingos that walk around during certain times. As a matter of fact, if you go on Instagram, they almost always do live stuff on Instagram and Facebook of Rhett and, and uh, uh, Scarlet you know, coming out of their, their residence that they've spent in the evening and walking the garden and honking and carrying on with all the people that are, it's really cool. So if you, if you haven't experienced something as wild as that, then you got to do it. Want to go on board a Coast Guard cutter? You can. See, I kind of like that because I'm an old coasty. U.S. Coast Guard cutter Ingham. Uh, it's a museum. It's located near Fort Zachary Taylor on the far southwestern edge of Key West. And certainly worth a look-see because you can go on board. This is a fair, this is a large ship. These ships were built, it's it's part of what they call the treasury class uh, because they were all named after uh, U.S. treasurers. And um, they, I'm trying to remember, they were built between 36 and 37. So they fought in World War II, Korea, um other things, other, you know, Vietnam, stuff like that. They're, they're really impressive ships. Um, as a matter of fact, the Ingram, as I remember, was the only, I think it's the only ship in the Coast Guard that had been attacked twice during battle and won. Um, you think of the Coast Guard as a rescue wing, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, especially from back when. But um, they were involved in, in wartime type 
<laughs> what I call bad entertainment. Um, but uh, you can go on board. You can do a complete tour of the tour. They have they have guided tours that will walk you through and talk to you all about the Ingham and all about Coast Guard cutters of its class. And you can also just walk yourself through. It has certain hours that it's open, but it's tied up at the dock right off of um, off of Fort um, Zachary Taylor. The other cool thing is it's right next to uh, the Navy SEAL school. And there's no telling what you'll see out there that you weren't supposed to see. <laughs> Every time Janelle and I have gone, we've seen the SEALs in action out there training, which is kind of cool the key west cemetery now this is something you wouldn't think of I, I you know although if you historically if you go to any of the bigger cities you know you go to the the cemetery that's there or the national cemetery that's in the area just to i don't know just kind of get a feeling for holy cow look at the conflicts we were in stuff like that also look at who's buried there you know i lived in louisville for a while louisville has a very impressive um cemetery called cave hill cemetery that's got some amazing grave sites in it including one of the more modern ones, um, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. He's there. And it's just, it's one of those things, you know, you walk through, look at the tombstones and read what's better. Well, Key West is the same way. Key West is, is an old cemetery. It's an unusual cemetery in that it's very, very difficult to dig a hole in the ground. You don't. Um, they're, they're on hard coral limestone. So almost all of the grave type things are above ground. They have tombstones that are, you know, headstones that are very interesting. Um, also, there is a USS Maine memorial there that was erected in, oh, I can't remember the erection. They just, they did it a while back, but it represents the um, the sinking of the battleship Maine in in the Havana Harbor back in 1898. Um, you can, I mean, you can visit that. It's very, uh, it's one of those humbling things. You know, you look at it and go, good grief, a lot of people died in Havana Harbor on that ship. Um go from the very serious to the more funny stuff that's in there key west headstones are known for funny sayings it's almost like a competition with these people and it goes back because this is not something modern and new because you've got like you know <laughs> tiktok or something this is something that's been going on there for quite some time one of my all-time i'm, I'm not going to even give them to you i'm just going to let you go find out you need to go and just read the tombstones i will give you one my favorite in there is um i can't remember the guy's name now i want to say it was roberts might be his last name um i told you i was sick I love that. I just, that pretty much sums it up. But I, like I said, there are many, many more that you can, uh, that you can view that are also equally as funny. Proving that Key Westers pretty much keep their sense of humor <laughs> right to the end. <laughs> ah, what's now? Oh, find the Catholic Basilica, St. Mary, Star of the Sea. You got it. Got to do this. It's been a long time since I've done this. Next time I go down to Key West, Janelle and I are going to go do this. Nearby the, the basilica is a grotto that's was has been made of um, coral stone, carried in by parishioners and kids. They were students actually, of the of the Catholic school there. Um, it's been there for about a hundred years, and it was established by Sister uh, Lois Gabrielle. The coral rock was brought there by parishioners, like I said, kind of just carried in, and they slowly made this this beautiful grotto you have to see it to believe it how big it is is what impressed me but it's it was designed for a specific reason she said that if quote if you come here to pray before a storm be it a hurricane or any personal storm you and key west will not suffer complete devastation 
And you better believe some people pray in front of that sucker when there's a storm coming because it's worked so far. They've had some storms and they've had some uh, damage, but total devastation has not happened there. And uh, unlike uh, my old stomping grounds on the West Coast of Sanibel and Fort Myers Beach, but um, it's very interesting. It's really quite pretty. And you can go there just about any time. So look it up. It's it's the Catholic Basilica, St. Mary, Star of the Sea. Um, and go to the grotto. And you can ask around. People know about the grotto. So you can ask around if, it's, if you find it difficult to find. Well, there you go. Um, I've reached the end of my list. I wanted to do... I, unusual instead of the same old same old stuff i mean the hemingway house is included you can there's a zillion things you can do in key west outside of duval street i guess is the point i'm trying to make you get your bicycle and go ride around it's hard to get lost you're gonna run into water sooner or later so (laughs) turn around and go the other way um but you'll find that it's really um it's full of really cool things especially if you get on a bicycle and start riding the back street you'll be surprised what you're going to find here's a final note um just some thoughts I've met many people that have uh, totally been taken by Key West. I'm not really sure why. Uh, I'm not really sure why they were. Um, Many of them were friends of mine that wound up going on trips there after we said something about it and then came back with like, you know, dopey eyes like, whoa, I can't believe that place. And But I know my feelings about it revolve around the people and the general atmosphere of Key West. Um, it's got that it's time to kick back vibe and, and enjoy what's been given to you. Um, people with salt water in their blood will totally get it shortly after arriving. Sim- simply put, it's um, QS is a place to slow down and enjoy life. Stop and look around. Um, get out there and take a sailboat tour. Get out there and take a snorkel tour. Get out there and... Um, go over to, go over to uh, Fury. Fury rents everything and has all kinds of trips that you can do on board boats. You know, smell the roses. <laughs> I guess is the only way to put it. Or smell the salt water. It's truly a beautiful place. And the sunset will really do you in because it's a mass sunset that a crowd enjoys. And it's, it's unbelievable to see everybody get all quiet at once as the sun goes down in a typically rather noisy place. In a future podcast, I'm going to cover all things fly fishing. I wanted to throw this note out there because I've been asked. They're like, okay, so you did bait shops. You talk a lot about spin fishing and stuff like We know you fly fish. What's the deal? Okay, all right, all right. It may not be next week, but in the next couple, maybe three weeks, I'm going to do a special podcast on fly fishing. The ins and outs, the supplies, where to get it, where to go, things like that. So I'll do my best to get that done. And, uh, and if there's any subject you want me to talk about on the outdoors in Florida, things you're interested in, there's a good chance I've been there. There's a good chance I've visited or, you know, or I've played there or whatever. So give me a holler and I'd be happy to add that as a subject in the, in the upcoming podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, please tell a friend, leave a review, and please subscribe to the channel. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page, Catch Outdoors. Website, waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.